e-commerce landscape has transformed into a versatile and unique space, offering today's companies, large and small, an opportunity to increase sales and grow their business. This podcast offers an exciting opportunity for PriceBrider to unite and empower the e-commerce community at large by providing insights in a thoughtful and accessible way, all with the aim of providing immense value to brand manufacturers and retailers alike. Hi, this is Anthony Capazzoli with the Price Spider E-Commerce Connected Podcast, and I am happy to have back Mr. Bill Johannesson of VisionWorks. He's the principal over there, uh, and that's VisionWorks, spelled Vision, W-E-R-K-S dot com. Uh, this is his second episode here with us at, uh, at Price Spider. We couldn't be happier to have him. We're going to be talking today about map misinformation and actually implementing and executing programs that find success. Bill, welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you. Love being with you. I love having you, brother. So, well, good stuff, man. I'm going to turn this over to you because I know you probably have some amazing words of wisdom to kick things off so that we can walk through some specifics. <laughs> well, did uh, did UP at Bose for 10 years, North American, and then I've been doing it with Vision Vision Works, applying unilateral policy and map policies to dozens and dozens of companies. So, been in the trenches, been in the buyer's offices, been completely immersed in executing map and UP and learned some stuff. Yeah. So implementing a map policy is either the best thing you ever did for your brand or the worst. And there's like no middle ground on this. <laughs> You're either going to achieve the objectives that you had when you initially brought the policy in or it's just not going to help you. Um, in executing a map policy, you're, you're giving retailers an unfiltered benchmark of your leadership's credibility and integrity based on its effectiveness or ineffectiveness with the policy. I mean, this is unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, what becomes true. If you're not executing, if you're not applying evenly, if you're saying one thing and doing another, it's going to be very evident. Because in theory, the map policy states what you need to do and states what they need to do. And it's pretty clear if you're doing what you say and you're going to do. So the value of or the damage to your brand trust and reputation are also equally amplified. If your map policy is failing, (laughs) your credibility, your integrity, your trust and reputation are failing. Well, Bill, I'm sorry, but dude, that's a really interesting way to look at it. I hadn't thought about it from that lens, and it is literally a straight shot into the brand's leadership's ability to drive a successful project and and, and tied around brand integrity. That's amazing because it's right out there for everybody to see. It it is. And and when it works, it it transcends the relationship. The relationship with the retailer when it works, like we had at Bose Corporation, you know, it's it's a struggle to get there, and there's a lot of hard decisions. And but if you stay the course and you do what you're going to say, and you pop out the other side, and they pop out with you, it it, it it transforms relationships to trust and integrity, and takes everything to the next level. I mean, Dr. Bose had a saying. My favorite one is, "Trust is like dust on a windowsill; it takes time to accumulate, but it can be gone in an instant." And, and that is really prevalent now in this age of social media and digital communication and news of the minute. It's just more and more 
appropriate. You, you know, you make a faux pas in the olden days, you could just kind of throw it in a file cabinet and ignore it, pretend it didn't happen. Whereas nowadays, eh, you know, it comes down and it comes to roost. So doing or not doing what you say you're going to do is transparent and no amount of excuses or I'll go with BS are going to alter retailers' perception. So, I mean, that that's the thing as we talk to these guys, talk to so many companies at the summit, which was so fabulous. And, you know, they're using the monitoring and they've got a map policy and they see who the bad actors are and they get up to the upper levels and they can't do anything. Right. And that just gets communicated across the distribution and just makes it, you know, just, just paints a picture that is not helpful to the brand, but the intention of the policy was it to be helpful. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, it, it, if done correctly with the right support throughout the organization from the top to the bottom uh, can transcend the brand. If you don't do it correctly, it can turn relationships poor, if you will. Poor. And, and it's usually your better retailers that provide the better customer experience that are the ones that get hurt. So, so, so common, common misconceptions. So what, one of my antitrust attorneys, he had a saying, I really loved it was, he's like monkey see monkey do. He said, when he goes and talks to companies and I talk to companies, usually they're copying a competitor or a leader in another category's policy. Monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. That's what they're And then we talked about this last week and you made a fabulous comment. You know, it's like getting a copy of the Patriots playbook does not guarantee you're going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> There's a whole nother layer of action that goes in there. It's not the policy. It's all the elements of the execution. It's, it's like, so this is antitrust law, and then this is executing around that antitrust law. I mean, it's a legal specialty, right? It's, it's like a medical specialty. You, you don't go to an eye doctor for a hernia, you know? You don't go to a heart specialist for a broken leg. So it's the same thing with legal. I mean, this is, you're jacking around with price fixing is, is what you're doing, right? The was been illegal and it's still illegal, whereas 2007, this Legan decision kind of made this map thing a little bit fuzzy so that you can get around it. But I, I think the days of that are starting to come to an end where you just can't run it long and loose. You just can't do monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. And the other thing I see is that an expectation of that a piece of paper will influence the retailer to organly, organizationally execute when it hasn't influenced yours. So you get this map policy and you go to the retailer and you're expecting them to do everything that you've set out at the timing and the level and the application and where you can and where you can't. You're expecting that to be done, yet your organization made absolutely no modification to how it operates except bringing in this piece of paper. No alteration to distribution, how you go to market. No alteration to what products go and what channel. No alterations to getting rid of the bad actors that are causing pricing problems in the first place. It was, it was not designed as the fix. Yeah. It was designed to keep the fix in place. Spot on. I mean, uh, I couldn't agree more. The, the, the policy is part of the solution. It is not the solution. It's, it's really at the end of the day, I think it's, it's the playbook, right? You, you still have to execute the plays. 
to keep going back to that analogy that we used before, but yeah. uh, I, I, I talk to brands all the time um, where, you know, maybe dipping into the other side of our conversation with map misinformation, where they feel that, you know, the more SKUs included in a map policy, the better. And I, I as, even as a salesperson, I tell them that that is absolutely not the right approach because it's about the effective management, monitoring, and enforcement of those SKUs. And you need to start with a reasonable amount of SKUs to get your internal team up to speed on what this process is going to look and feel like. You've got to get put your retailers in a position to be successful. You can't just say, well, I have 5,000 SKUs, therefore I'm monitoring 5,000 SKUs. I, I, I think it's irresponsible for, for anyone to, to do otherwise, quite frankly. Now, if they've been doing this for a long time um, and they can handle it, that's great. But I always think it's easier to grow in steps or stages than to say, out of the gates, we've never done this before. Let's start with 5,000 SKUs. I always tell people that maybe, <laughs> maybe we should start with 50 or 100 or maybe maybe 250. But let, let's keep it reasonable because if you go to 5,000, you're just causing problems you don't need. Maybe, you know, your, your most important high value product that really embodies the passion of your brand and the cornerstone of your brand equity is probably where you should start. And then yeah. that way you can start to understand, okay, what's the impact of all this and what's it going to do? But to, to, to your point, so many of them start out, it's like, that, okay, we're going to play golf. And I'm grabbing the clubs and off we go. So we're just, you know, <laughs> yeah, I got the map policy and yeah. I got, you know, I'm going to put all the SKUs on it right down to the 50 cent widget that's on the accessory list. And I'm going to take it <laughs> to every dealer and every channel. And they yeah. do this. And it's it's like, you know, you, you can't expect the policy will raise deteriorated marketplace pricing. If your pricing is in the dumper, this isn't going to pull it up. Yeah. You, you, you need to, if you've got new product coming down the road that is clean, that's where you apply it. The products that has passion that reflect the brand equity of your brand so that you can execute it better. Here's my wife just hammering me with that. <laughs> No, it's okay. That she can get out of there. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, so expecting it raise marketplace price. Believe the policy has any impact on the ability to remove third-party sellers from the internet. The third-party yeah. sellers are getting products diverted through your, what you think is good channels. They don't see your map policy. I, I don't think most manufacturers, dealers see their map policy. To be right. Okay, uh, it'll remove price from the equation. It doesn't remove price from the equation. It, 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 it can until you're able to execute. You know, it's not a starting point for price stabilization. It's not. Discipline distribution is the starting point for price stabilization. As I said, it's not the fix. It's designed to keep the fix in place. Yeah. And Everybody, not everybody, but so many start with it. It doesn't enable an omni-channel distribution strategy. Yeah, the does I I agree. I, I I think another layer of misinformation, or I think poor strategy, where brands are concerned, is they don't make this a part of the team's 
daily responsibility. And by that, I mean, I'm not just saying throw it on one person's lap or throw it on 10 people's laps. I'm saying make it a core component of their responsibility. And it can't, it, 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 and what I mean is a lot of brands I talk to are like, well, we don't have anyone at all dedicated to helping us solve this problem to, you know, towards map or we'll let the intern do it. They're here for a couple months in the summer or something. And, and I, my, my, my coaching to that is you you have to have the right people responsible to make this successful and it it's not just one person it's the whole organization and that that's the other piece of it you can't just jump into this willy-nilly well you're you're right. it's a process not a project and all yeah. that dialogue is it's like a project well you know Tina's going to do it it should be a process which is ingrained across the organization now the other side of things is that when you have your revenue and quota compensated frontline sales team implement, communicate, and enforce the policy, which to me is your, you know, the prisoners running the prison. You know, <laughs> you're putting them yeah. in the middle of execution. So you're creating a real antitrust liability because when you say unilateral and all this other BS in the policy, yet your organization operates completely separate from the policy and any scrutiny happens to come back down, the piece of paper isn't going to mean anything. It's going to mean, what are you doing? And so then creating agreements with retailers as to what they can and cannot do in regard to price is that clarification extension of map policy that's also creating liability. And then the other fun thing that I found is when you rely on your sales team to do all this, most headquarters don't have contact information for the key decision. Right. You know, so they can even send an email or make a call because they just do everything through sales. Right. And so, you know, you're absolutely correct. It's got to be a process, not just a, a project or it's or it's doomed with potential, well, consequences to your brand equity, consequences to your trust, legal consequences, and then the fact that it's not really working. Right. So in order to maybe flip the script a little bit and kind of aim towards, you know, how to make a policy successful or execute the policy to uh, make the brand successful, maybe that's a better way to put it. What are some key takeaways for the listeners on that regard? Well, again, it's not designed as a fix, you know, living the policy, creating, you know, again, I'm going to, I'm going to drip, drop back to my uh, Bose experience because that's, that's still perceived as the platinum standard out there because you still can't buy the stuff at a discount, even within a store. And that's been going that way for like 30 years. And a lot of the folks at the summit came up. I was like, oh, geez, you work for Bose. We work for Bose. So I just, you know, step back to that, that, you know, living the policy and creating an environment to comply is where it should be, as opposed to what I see is a, a hammer to force compliance. I had one, one company is like, why can't I implement a map policy to force Amazon to sell at our price? <laughs> yeah. I, he Dead serious. You know, that's what he wanted to buy. Right. And it's like, well, if that was the case, would there be a pricing problem on Amazon? Right. Exactly. Like, uh, it, it... No, 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 no. So um, I just want to hit on, on what retailers think about the map policy. So I, we talked about this at the summit. So here's your merchandise manager. And again, this I think is going to help them understand how to implement. Here's your merchandise manager, your buyer. How many vendors do they have? They've got 
tons of vendors. They've got map policies, what product, what channel, what's my rebate, what's the co-op that we're getting, the promotions that I'm running, all the pro. They've got all kinds of different things going on at these uh, at, at the retailer. And then, you know, they show up with a varied policy with details and requirements to make effective execution possible. Only the brands of value and importance is the way that it ends up. If you show up with a multi-page map policy that is poorly implemented, that your sales team isn't really aware of, that, uh, and then they get flooded with violations, they're not even going to try. How, how do you try to implement 200 map policies that are all different with all the vendors that you have? They, they, they just can't do it. They have to pick the ones for the brands that are important to them, yeah. that have the consistency and the communication and the integrity of policy to work where they can actually get the profitability from it. You know, and then they're looking at these marketplaces full of unknown sellers operating without consequences. That's the other big one. That's the frustration of these manufacturers. Oh my goodness, how do I identify them? How do I get rid of them? How do I take care of it? Well, there's the retailer sitting there. You're sending him violations because he's just trying to compete. He's just trying to look good to his customers that he's not getting his butt kicked on your product in the visible marketplace out there. Yeah. So what's he supposed to do? You know, what, what, what's he supposed to do? So to not advertise the product? Right. So that there aren't price issues? Or try to be competitive so he looks like the retailer that he is and then he's getting nasty grams but all he's doing is trying to compete with the folks that you're like well i don't know how to take care of them so there's a backlash i've been talking you are talking about this on another podcast and i got a lot of buddies that i still know that it's like there's a backlash that's coming here that these threats intimidations violations and terminations to comply with the policy where you're just trying to be competitive they're causing damage to the relationships they're alienating your best equity and customer experiences to protect bad actors who do volume from bad action. Because that's really where it is, is you've yeah, got yeah. a lot. They're selling to dealers out there that are doing bad things and they're not doing anything about it because the SVP is, you know, it was his college roommate or they're, you know, he was my best man in the wedding or we're golfing every other week or, oh my God, I can't live without the volume. So the... It, not that Tony Robbins needs my help by any means, but one of his quotes that I love, um, there's lots of things about Tony Robbins that are wonderful. I mean, I, I listen to his podcast, read his books. But one of the things that I always apply to not only my life, but when I talk to people about map policies, when I'm working with them to uh, you know, choose our platform or whatever it might be, uh, complexity is the enemy of execution. And I tell them, <laughs> don't. Don't make this too complicated. Don't, like I said, to kind of go back where I mentioned earlier, too many SKUs can make things complicated. Uh, a, a map policy or a pricing policy that's 47 pages is crazy. You'll yeah. fail. And yeah. most importantly, the retailers will fail. You have to build things, in my opinion, in a simple way, to, and you'll be effective that way because everyone understands it. They can comply. Don't let lawyers write it in legal speak. Make it, oh, Jesus. Make it plain as day so that someone who hasn't, gone to harvard law can understand it don't make it like they're buying a house you know that's so that is i think the difference between successful policies and policies that fail the, uh, if it's more than a page and a half 
you should rethink the policy and make it go down to a page, edit, 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 a page, a page, a page, I think is key. Most policies, one page. And then what we do is we have grids. So your non-promotional pricing grid is separate from the policy that's one page. And then we have promotional pricing grids for the products that are going to go up and down during a particular time period that should be a national promotion that the brand should be executing so that they can get that combined promotion going out in the marketplace. That That's what happened at Bose. That was where Dr. Bose came up with this whole deal of having a map price is we're going to the best retailers. We're going to have the best distribution. We're going to sell direct to the uh, customer and I need to have price, remove it from me, from the equation. But I was talking to a CEO of a buying group that he's listening to these appliance manufacturers say, well, I need to be wherever the customer wants to buy. Well, that's true, but it must be an outlet that provides the intentional customer experience created to drive sell through and build brand equity, you know, is everywhere they want to buy. Well, you know, so if it's a 60 story building, you need to be on every floor <laughs> or can you be on the top floor and maybe on the bottom floor? I mean, it, you know, it's relative. And then, so the other part of it was Dr. Pose. It's a tool to lower pricing during promotions to get it to snap back at the end right. of promotions. That's what I work with clients on is you need to drive promotions so that you're in control of executing the promotions. And then you're in control of the product flow. You're in control of the content. You're in control of the brand equity. Everybody promotes at the same time. It looks like you spent a million billion dollars because wherever the customer goes, the stuff's on sale. And then it's over. And then it starts again. And, And that's what UP is about. That's what a map policy is about. It's about adjusting the price when you've got the distribution in the marketplace that it's stable so that you can pull the customers in when you want to and control that content. That's that's the deal. And then as far as the lawyers, most of them just drop it on sales. They don't understand the execution. They're focused either on mitigating risk so that they don't get in trouble or outside counsels focused on litigation revenue because they want to stir up some crap in between you and the retailers so they can come in and make (laughs) Oh God! To make money on it, what I I, opera, I operationalize the implementation, application, execution, enforcement of the policies. That's the area of expertise, and then I can ec- address all questions sales is going to have, talk in a manner that sales understands, connects the dots between strategy and execution, and then drive that execution because that's what the secret sauce is. So that was I agree. I think. Bunch. I think there's well, there's two. There's actually two two more quick things I'd like to kind of talk about. I know we're a little bit over here, but I think that's important. Um, everyone blames brands, blame Amazon, and call Amazon the you know the bad guy. And I I think quite the opposite. I mean, Amazon, uh, quite frankly, is a magnifying glass on the holes in your supply chain, uh, on the holes of your distribution strategy, and the holes of your channel strategy. And um, bad decisions very often will end up on Amazon with price variance is kind of the option uh, that, you know, people go to buy on Amazon because of those things. And if you do the right things, what we talked about earlier, have the right tactical strategy, uh, a simple executable policy with a clear from the top offices to the feet on the street who are executing the policy day to day, will clean up the challenge. I mean, there's a lot more moving parts. I don't want to make this too simplistic, but 
Um, Amazon exposes the weaknesses in your supply chain. If you sell to everybody with a pulse, Amazon's going to be a mess. You know, so there's there's gives and takes, and and Amazon could be your very best friend from an e-commerce perspective if things are handled right across the channel. Step one, and we'll talk about this in a second. But the other one is you you mentioned it where you let uh, you can't let retailers or any sellers decide you know how your products look and feel online. And by this, I mean bundling. Bundling is one of those things that. People say, I've talked to brands who are like, well, we don't care. They could bundle any way that they want, but we want to monitor. I'm like, well, you're you're causing problems that you don't even know will be problems. In a week or two, all of a sudden, there's going to be 47 different ways that your products are bundled. You're going to confuse shoppers. They're going to buy less or just buy exactly what they want from one of your competitors. You've got to control the bundling. You've got to control your SKUs, um, especially on marketplaces where that is a rampant activity. So it, it's not... It's the brand's fault. This is real simple. It's the brand's fault. Amazon's Amazon. Right. I mean, Jesus, Nike, Nike just left Amazon. Yeah. If Nike can't control Amazon, what? Right. It's the brand's fault. It's how the brand goes to market. That is it. All these issues is how the brands go to market. That's it. It's not Amazon's fault. Amazon it's is true. obvious. It's what happens. You're this dealer. You know this dealer's a trans shipper. You know this dealer provides a great customer experience. You know this guy has omnichannel fulfillment where you can buy. You know this guy. If you don't, that's the problem. You're missing the knowledge of the retailers and the operation of the marketplace for you to pick how to go to market so the stuff doesn't happen that you don't want to happen. That's what we do. That's what needs to be done. Sorry, that's hard. No, I but I agree with you. And uh, Phil, as always, buddy, I really enjoyed our conversation. And I know that we're going to be doing this uh, quite a few more times together on this very podcast. Uh, so for all of you listening out there and want to reach Bill, I'm going to let Bill just, uh, tell us all where to find him. Just vision, visionworks.com, B-I-S-I-O-N-W-E-R-K-S.com. It's the same as the eyeglass people, except with an E in the works. And it really doesn't <laughs> matter where you are in the process, you know, yeah. it, to, to get it fixed. The issue is, is your 2020 plan going to be more of the same where you're trying to push a rope up a hill? Or is your 2020 plan going to be hey, you know what? We're going to look at the marketplace honestly. We're going to look at the organization honestly. And we're going to align our strategies with our actions and connect the dots and start moving forward. And I I love love doing that. And you want that done. And your podcast is going to revolve around helping companies get that done in the variety of areas. And I'm really thrilled to be here uh, working with you. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. And everyone out there listening, thank you for listening. Uh, And let me know in the notes or any feedback that anyone might have about any of the topics that we've discussed and specific points that we've addressed in this podcast and others. And we'll be happy to address them on the show. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. 